Dan McDonough's professional career has included stops at some of the most influential brands in fitness. In our conversation, we talk about his amazing journey and some of the most pivotal and defining learnings that he's had along the way. That entrepreneurial spirit, not taking no for an answer, knowing you have something, you have a vision, you've got a purpose, and and being scrappy and finding a way to make it happen, that was truly a, a, a turning point for all of us, understanding that, it, that if you dig in, and that you spend the time and you don't cut corners, and you constantly reiterate and innovate, that you can create great stuff. I'm Fraser Quelch, and this is a TRX Procast, where we chat with the most iconic leaders in fitness to get the inside track on what it takes to thrive and succeed in the ever-changing landscape of business, training, and life. You've got a really interesting journey into, into the industry. So tell me about, uh, first of all, your initial, your initial introduction into the limelight was the movie Rad. But I want you to talk about like <laughs> h- how that started from yeah, like yeah. biking rad into you know some of the other stuff you did going on. Maybe we could start there because I think oh, that's probably my, as good a place uh, to start as any. Yes, yes, that certainly would be my my movie claim to fame. You know, what's really interesting is that my my childhood dream was always to be an actor, right? And continue. So I did a lot of theater when I was younger and in elementary school into junior high into high school. And uh, the movie Rad came along when I was uh, basically in the summer of 1985. So it was a transition between grade nine and grade 10, right? So in Canada, that's like between mm-hmm. junior high and high school. And um, my, uh, uh, my uh, drama teacher at that time had a casting agency and they were casting locals for this BMX movie that was coming into town. And I auditioned for this, this character called Mophead Boy and got the role. So that summer of 1985 was just, was just really cool. And then it kind of, it kind of continued to film kind of in the first week of high school. So I got to take some days off from my first year in high school to be doing this movie. So it was just really cool. And that, um, I think what's really interesting about all of that acting training and, and on camera training and on stage training really transferred into my career in the fitness industry of being comfortable in, in speaking in front of people and comfortable being in front of camera and as you would know all too well it's completely different right speaking live in person and speaking on camera is kind of a two different skill sets but has has their commonalities um but that being said i mean i was i've been riding a bike for as long as i can remember and um so i got the i got the role in the movie for kind of my acting skills not from my biking skills it happened to be a biking movie which was a joy of mine right so i got to hang out mm-hmm. all the eddie fiola martin aparejo and all these great awesome bmxers at that time and just sitting around on set and absorbing this amazing movie and obviously it was, direct, it was directed by hal needham who was a legend in the film industry and talia shire rocky's wife was in there so it had these it had these big name Hollywood actors. It didn't last very long. I think it was in the theater for about a week. <laughs> it's had more. It's, it's had more. It's had more acclaim. But it's become a cult classic. Well, it, so no, that's what's really amazing. Literally, and, and no word of a lie, it has right. The 30th anniversary, the 35th anniversary, have become these gatherings in Cochrane, Alberta, Canada, right? Like people from all over the world. It, it, like I don't laugh, like funny as it is, but it, it has become a cult classic. And there's this whole new generation of of children coming up that are getting exposed to that movie, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. 
So I want to talk in a, in a little bit about, uh, I want to connect the dots between what you mm-hmm. just said about, you know, the, the relevance of that ability to be comfortable on camera, because obviously no more relevant than now in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I want to go on. So, so you were, you were a BMXer prior to the movie rad, but you got the role because of your acting stuff. Correct. How did BMXing go into, or like, where did, a lot of people don't know this about you, but where did, how did BMXing turn into bodybuilding for you? That's, I, and where did all that muscle mass go? Well, why did you bring so, that well, up? Well, why did you bring that up? Anyhow, <laughs> great question, right? So, you know, and I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption that a lot of people may have the same experience that I did in high school, right? You're doing whatever you can to, to try and fit in. You know, I tried out for, every high school sport, basketball, football, volleyball, didn't make any of them Fraser, right? Cause I wasn't coordinated. Um, I was never really good at team sports, even though I wanted to be right. So BMX is a very individual thing. You get on your bike and you go cycling, mm-hmm. you get on your bike and you go. And I think it was in kind of in, in grade 12 when I tried out for the high school football team and I, and I didn't make it right. So I've been trying for two or three years to get on the high school team. Cause I, I wanted that jacket, right? Like I wanted to be cool and did everything I can, you know, you know, to fit in. I was a, like, I was a, like, I was, a, I was a buck 10 soaking wet, if that, and mm-hmm. I found a weight room, right. And started to see some results fairly quickly. And I think I've always said that that finding the weight room in high school has kind of really helped shape where I am today because it allowed me to take responsibility for my own success. No one was going to do the work for me. If I went to the gym Mm -hmm. or didn't go to the gym, you know, I was responsible for that. And so I started to see success. I started to see results and, and it started to make me feel really good about myself. It gave me self-efficacy. It gave me self-confidence and people started asking me for advice when I had no right in giving it, but people saw results and change. They asked what I was mm-hmm. doing. And so that's kind of where the industry kind of started for me is, is understanding that if health and fitness could make me feel this good about myself, that it maybe it was something that I really wanted to kind of dive into a career. Because so, if I could help create opportunities and experiences for other people to get the benefits from health and fitness that I did at a younger age, then, then, um, uh, then amazing, let's go for it. And then I think, you know, we might touch upon that sometime hint enter fit for play right mm-hmm. which we might talk about at some point right and mm-hmm. and we really focused fraser there on high schools and junior high schools and you know basically you know creating and exposing students of all ages to different experiences not try to pigeonhole them into one thing let's give them a little bit of everything hopefully they find something they like and if mm-hmm. one kid walked out of that experience feeling better about themselves and then that was success to us you know for sure. So you mentioned self-efficacy, which is something that's a topic I've been fascinated about over the last, I don't know how long, but, um, and, and even more so as my kids have gotten older and I see what an important part of, of their lives is, especially as they're developing kind of like what the, the journey you were talking about, trying to fit in, trying to find a group, trying to find that confidence that comes from success. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, what you think the pathway is to self-efficacy and, and, and what role does it play in fitness? That's a deep one phrase. Um, so why I am, you know that. Yeah, I know it's like, and as, as, as cliche as it may sound, a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. I said this other day after my spin class last week, and I was in the change room talking with a couple of participants that always come. And it's just like that particular workout that day was, was therapy for me, not physically, but mentally, right? I just had one of those days where 
I couldn't wait to teach, but I also couldn't wait to ride it because I needed the workout, right? And sometimes right. I will admit and, and that, that, that I firmly believe that when we show up to deliver any fitness experiences for the people who are in front of us, it's not for us, right? That, that was the mistake I made earlier on in my career. I was very ego driven and it was about me. I'd get on stage, look at me, I'm fit, follow along if you can. And that relates to what right. we talk about it later, my, like my, the first time Philip Mills gave me feedback in New Zealand when I taught my spin class, right? That's a whole new story, but and feedback is incredibly important for growth. But, and, and, and I'd said in the change room after that class, I'm just like, I don't know how people who don't have health and fitness as a habit, I don't know how they relieve stress. I don't know how they, because it's a habit to us. So they just don't know what they don't know. So if they are sedentary and they've been years of just going about their life being sedentary and they just don't know any different and that's their state of being, that's how they feel all the time. So they think that it's normal, right? But it's, it's often when they get that experience, whatever it may be, whether they go out for a walk or they go for a hike and they just go to a group fitness class for the first time phrase or whatever that experience, that interjection is into health and fitness and they go, there actually is a better feeling. There actually is something more obtainable. And then once they know, they know, right? But sometimes it, you know, that's where we come in is we become that, what's the word I'm looking for, that conduit or that, that, that bridge that kind of helps people understand that they can do it, that it doesn't necessarily need to be an hour a day, whatever it may be. It, it can be 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here and biting off small chunks at a time. And let's just focus on getting it done today. Let's not worry about next week because sometimes all we really have is what happens today. So let's just focus on those small steps, right? And earlier on in my career, that wasn't, that, that I, I didn't understand that phrase. Mm -hmm. um, but now I do. And I think it's really important that like 10 or 15 minutes of just getting out and going for a walk or whatever it may be can increase self-efficacy. There, there is something better that I can attain regardless of where I'm at and where I enter into that journey. Well, I think it's that it's bridging the gaps. You use yep. the, the yep. metaphor of a bridge and, and I think yep. you're, you're bang on. And, and I, I mean, when I describe self-efficacy, it's really the story of the little engine that could. Yep. I think I can. Mm -hmm. Right. And, mm -hmm. but it's very difficult. There are lots of people, and we can talk about this for, for a second in the fitness industry, how many people start something and they don't finish it mm -hmm. because ultimately they don't think they can. So why keep going? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, you know, at here and my objective is here, if I believe I can get to there, then I'm all in. Mm -hmm. If I don't believe in my ability to get to here, doesn't matter how good of a program, doesn't matter how like whatever's mapped out there for me, if I don't believe that's going to happen, then I'm going to sabotage myself mm -hmm. somehow. Mm -hmm. 100%. And, and so, you know, I believe that one of the major roles that the fitness professional has and the coach and anybody who's trying to work with someone, whether it's in the physical realm or, or not, if you're trying to get someone from A to B, yeah, there's the technical things that you've got to do and oh, the yeah. process you have to follow to get there. But one, the unspoken thing is, how do you instill the belief in somebody yep. that they can? Yep. And, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on, on that. You know, that's a great question, Phrase. And you, you mentioned something really interesting that there is like, if you go from here to here, there's all these technical things that you need to do, whether it be you've got to work out X amount of time a week, so there's got to be duration, there's got to be adaptation, all this stuff, all the stuff that we geek out on, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if they don't have buy-in phrase, it's useless, mm -hmm. right? And how do they get buy-in? Well, I firmly believe it's connection, right? It's our ability to connect 
with the person, the small group or the large group, whether it be one or 100, the people in front of us, it's truly being able to connect. And I didn't understand that, right? I mentioned earlier on that I was on, I'd get on stage, I jump on, hey, look at me, I'm fit, I look good in spandex, here we go, let's pedal. Like, and then I had something to- The spandex thing is debatable, well, just for the record, <laughs> but, but anyway, carry on. Yeah, exactly, right? But but I didn't think that way earlier on in my career. I had something to prove. And I think you know our industry is very, it's very ego driven. And there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, right? And you were always touting that line. Do I believe we need to be incredibly confident? Absolutely, because people can sense if you're not. If you're confident, it allows you to connect, which allows you to build trust. And when you can build trust and, 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 and listening, right? Truly listening. There's a difference between hearing and listening, right? When you truly listen, that allows you to determine need. Once you understand need, then you can create a game plan, right? And you build that trust. And we've said this for a long time, right? I, I forget where this phrase came up. I'm, it was some sometime in TRX phrase, but with, with, with this, meet people where they're at to take them where they want to go. And right, and I, I think it's a, a big and really important part that we all need to understand. And I continue to to try and understand that and focus on that every day is meet them where they're at, build that trust, truly listen. And, and if you truly listen, um, and then you can help them get to where they need to go and biting off those small steps. So as you're talking about that, is, is that your, your view of, of, you talk about connection yep. and the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like um, it's, it's really starts, starts with listening, mm-hmm. meeting them where they are. Mm-hmm. And then how else do you connect to try and continue to bridge the gap? And how do you connect at further and further levels where you can start to shift from because in coaching, there's this yep. there's this phase where you're trying to be really supportive. There's also a phase where you mm-hmm. challenge, mm-hmm. and those two things are sometimes counteracting each other. There's a balance between that support versus challenge versus, and yeah. different people have it depends on where they are in that journey may have a different ability to yeah. to take on or accept challenge versus support. Uh, how do you balance yeah. that? When you're thinking about connection. Yeah. That's a fantastic question, Fraser. To which I don't, I don't know if I have a direct answer. Or how do you do it? Like when you think about it, how how how, yeah, like, so how you, you I approach think, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I think that it'll that, that that cliche of of you know living the life that you're trying to emulate. So I think that practicing what you preach versus cliche as it sounds is incredibly important, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Never more than ever, like during the pandemic, was I exposed to this, and you probably had this as well, and a lot of fit, fit pros probably had this. You had so many people that were stuck at their homes, they couldn't go to gyms, and people emailing you and calling you, I need your help, I need your help, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go. And there's mm-hmm. where day, there was days, phrase where, like, I had barely enough energy to get out of bed, right? People like you and I right. are used to socializing, used to being out and face-to-face, traveling the world, and that just stopped. Right. And when people like us are used to interacting and thriving around people and you, you're not around them anymore, there were days where was I in a state of de- depression? I would probably argue there was days where I probably was. And thankfully, I had exercise to help get me out of that. For sure. I, knew how, I knew how powerful it was. But I think being honest and being vulnerable with people and letting them know that we are only human. And even though this is our industry that we love and we've chosen to be leaders, like we experience those highs and lows just as much as they do. And, you know, some of our highs and lows are the fall, the falls and the jumps are even bigger, right? Because mm-hmm. we're used to being here and then we're down here. So I think being vulnerable, showing people that you struggle as well mm-hmm. and relating, saying, relatable. right? I, 
I have empathy. I have empathy because right. I remember a time when, right? So relating to them and helping them understand that it happens to the most fittest of people in the world, that we all go through these highs. So being relatable, being vulnerable, that's going to help you build trust. You know, and I think one thing I'm, one thing I learned at, at, at Under Armour started to kind of get understanding when we were at TRX was this whole thing of, uh, of data can drive your decisions, right? You can't manage mm. what you can't measure. So I think on this other, this, this whole point of connection, I also think what's really important to us is being able to, being able to track their progress, whether it be, you know, whether it's in their face all the time, or you're just keeping notes, you know, the two weeks you were here and you did this and today you did this. So going back and being able to prove that they were able to take these small bites and climb up the ladder slowly, whether it be for them, of course, they want to see weight loss and they want to see body transformation. Do they care about power output? Who knows? Like some, most people mm -hmm. don't care, but being able to say, did you realize that on day one, you got like five push-ups from your knees and now you're getting six from your toes, whatever it may be, you know, but, but being able to prove and show statistically that they have been able to make progress, whether it be big or whether it be small, right? So I think that's part of it too as well, right? Is being able to track progress and, and, and make, them, make them feel better. And, 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 and we could talk about all that stuff later, but I think that's part of the puzzle as well. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more, especially if you think about that gap, right? From mm -hmm. here to here, like yep. no one can leap from mm -hmm. there to there. Yeah. But if that's all you look at, it's so easy to get, get just completely just demotivated about like, yep. I'm never going to get there. It's too yep. far away. Yeah. Whereas, you know, hey, you just did your first push-up. You just did your first pull-up. Yep. You made it here three times to this week. You, know, you read you read an article. You know, because doesn't it's not limited to just you know what we do in the physical realm. It's hundred percent. Uh, it's related. To Absolutely, phrase. So you know, shifting you know. gears a little bit, yeah, and going back. So you know, so we had the, you know, you were you were passionate about BMXing. You did the rad thing. You found the gym because mm -hmm. you know you weren't successful at at uh, you know in your high school athletic career and, and and found that that other thing that made you made you feel great about mm -hmm. about who you were and what you're doing i presume that that is what leads to your career in in fitness but i'm interested in the gap between like when did and how did you take the jump from being an avid gym goer mm -hmm. and an amateur advice giver to the people that were asking stuff <laughs> and all the rest of it to True to story. one that did professionally because and, and here's where i'm going with this is that of all the people that I know in the fitness industry, which is a lot of them, you have one of the most interesting and, and broad experiences working for some amazing brands. And so I think tracking the journey is really, really interesting. And I know I've always been really interested in, in it, and I'm sure others will be too. So how did you get from the weight room to the, yeah. to the, uh, well, I appreciate you know, the polo jersey, the, 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 the polo jersey. Um, well, thank you for those kind words, Fraser. Um, I got asked, I was at a fitness conference in Seattle two weeks ago and I was on a, on a panel and someone kind of mm -hmm. asked me, basically, how did you get to where you got to in the industry? It's like, I, I didn't really know how to answer that. I really didn't, right? There was no specific steps that I, I mean, I think along the way there was different steps and strategic decisions that I made, but you know, we always talk about passion and I believe there's a common, there's a difference between passion and purpose. And if you can combine both of those together, then I think you're, you know, winning for sure. Right. So I went from BMX to 
kind of cross-country mountain biking, that kind of became my amateur sport, for lack of a better word. And I had a fantastic coach, Mr. Quelch. Oh, yeah, but there's a step in between. There's a step in between all that. <laughs> well, no, there certainly is, right? Um, so I'm not quite sure what you're trying to dig out of me, so I may need a little bit of prying here. No, but- no, no, it's, it's not so much what I'm trying to dig yeah. out of you. So, so yeah. you're, a, you're, you're, you're in the gym, yep. bodybuilding. How do you get yep. to be a professional fitness person? Gotcha. How do you start a personal training? Yeah. So yeah, that was really interesting. So, you know, it's, um, it was kind of when I left Mount Royal college, I took this, I took this kind of what was going to be kind of a, a summer gig working for club med. Like I didn't really know that fitness was going to be my thing at that time. I knew I loved it because I kind of like right out of high school, I did retail. Like I worked for what was, what was for Zannies and sport check in Calgary and then went and did stuff with the roots. Cause I always loved dealing with people. Fitness right. was the thing I did on the side to stay healthy. Right. But right. it wasn't my career at that time. And so I took a job at club med, right. And I went to the Bahamas and, and, um, you know, I uh, became what's called a land sports coordinator, right? And at that particular time, I had a great interview because I loved being around people. I really had no freaking idea what I was doing, Fraser, like really to truth, right? I went to go work at Club Med and you got these people like I was, I was doing morning stretch classes and I was doing group work like that. So I was doing it. I was, I, I was getting by, right? But at yeah. some point when I was there, I went like, I really love this. Like, I really love creating experiences for people to, you know, to be exposed to health and fitness, whatever the class or modality it might be. So I came back from that. And that's when I decided to dive in and focus on becoming, you know, getting more certifications and started off with my AFLCA, which was the Alberta Fitness Leadership Certification, right? And then going into CanFit Pro certification then expanding from there. And that's when, you know, you know, and when you're an iCareer, kind of, did, I forget what actually year it was, but then, you know, we we kind of collided, right? So I, you know, I, I, I came back from Club Med, got my certifications and I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you and I crossed path at the lodge at Kananaskis, which is a heck of a story. I'm not sure if you want to dive into that, but you know, so I went to kind of personal training, but cycling was kind of still my passion at that time. And you and I were both presenting at conferences at that time, you know, and so you and I are personal training in the studio together in Calgary and we're doing our thing and we're presenting at conferences. And then I would, um, you know, I was teaching freestyle indoor cycling classes as were you. And then I presented at idea world. I forget what year it was. And I was doing my own indoor cycling class that was freestyle. And then, uh, I get approached by this, this Kiwi girl named Emma Berry after my cycling class and just kind of mm-hmm. said, Hey, I mean, like, you know, I like what I like what you did up there, right? You're authentic and you're athletic on the bike, and and I'm from this company called Les Mills, which I had never heard of. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got this indoor cycling program called RPM, and we're looking for a program director. Would you be interested in applying? And I'm like, I'm like, kind of thanks, but no thanks, kind of thing, right? Because I had, you know, we had our business together, and you know, I was settled in. I had a house in Calgary, and you know, three months later, we. You know, I get an email from a bear saying, Hey, we still haven't found this person that we're looking for. Would you be interested in coming to New Zealand for a couple of weeks and just come and present some stuff like you present on the circuit, come and do a, a core workshop, come and do a medicine, just come and do what you do, teach a freestyle class and we'll get to know you and see what you think about it. Well, fast forward long, try to make a long story very short is I, I got offered the role to be the RPM program director. Right. And I'm, I was working with you at that time. And I came back and I think I was like, phrase, I'm selling everything I own and I'm moving to New Zealand right? To kind of turn what was a passion cycling into a career, right? You took over my clients and 
me and my bikes and a couple boxes of clothes, we moved to New Zealand. And that's where the industry truly started for me, even though we were in personal training and doing it. And when I say that, if we kind of take a look at from Les Mills to TRX to Under Armour to where I am now, like there was learnings I had in each one of those brands and they were all different, but all those experiences have, have, have led me to where I am today, right? So passion into a career. I was very fortunate, you know, BMXing, cross-country mountain biking, road biking, getting a job, like teaching indoor cycling classes, like, hello, like I do this for free, right? Sure. And so that's where group fitness truly started for me. That's when I kind of say I went from thinking I, I knew everything to like, holy crap, I don't, right? Because right. I'd never been I'd never been given feedback. No one had ever I'd ever asked for feedback, right? And mm-hmm. and then so what came out of Les Mills world for me was the power of education, the power of creating inclusive experiences, right? Uh, because I, I truly believe I was, I was creating exclusive experiences before that, like hang on if you mm-hmm. can. I wasn't truly looking around the room and teaching was to who in front of me, right? Right. And so that's, you know, so uh, can it be replicated, power of education, inclusive experiences, the power of mm-hmm. feedback. That's what I walked away from at Les Mills, right? And that led to TRX, right? Some of those skills I learned there I was able to bring into TRX and working along with you and, and Pete and Chris and the group there, we had some amazing years of cranking at what I believe was industry game-changing education. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to go there, but before we go there, I want to go back just a second because yeah. um, you mentioned something a little bit earlier and and it was the, so you were asked a couple of weeks ago about how did you get to here? I would have yeah. loved to have been on that stage and been able to answer for you because you <laughs> missed a whole bunch of stuff yeah. um, within it, which yeah. was, and so in it, because I watched, I've, I've, for those of you who don't know, Dan and I have been linked from like one degree of separation with mm-hmm. our careers and, and our lives for, for a really, really long time. And of course, I've been present mm-hmm. for a lot of the stuff you talked about. Actually, you've said a few things that already that I didn't actually know. But one of the things that um, I wanted to talk about today, and you kind of led right into it, was the an entrepreneurial attitude mm-hmm. with a thirst to innovate and contribute mm-hmm. is one piece of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is listening when opportunity knocks because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. knocks lightly and sometimes, but once, and I know that's the cliche, but I think it's worth saying again. I mean, with, with less mills, they knock two times. Yeah. The second time you actually kind of were in a, a different headspace to listen to it. Yeah. But yeah. can you talk a little bit about, because the gap that the gap that you, the thing you skipped was, and I think, I know for me, it was super important and I, I would say informative. And I think it would be for you as well. It's one of my most, if, if I think about my entire career, mm-hmm. one of my fondest stretches of time was that time with Fit for Play with mm. you and me and yep. a guy named Tim Boris yep. and the stuff that we were developing. And, and in that time, there was obviously were a bunch of things we were blundering uh, but in the, in the blundering we were developing, uh, but with the same that, so what I want you to talk about is yeah. the power of a team mm-hmm. of tight knit, mm-hmm. you know, like-minded uh, individuals with that thirst for innovation and contribution. Cause yeah. when I think about that time and yeah. try to sum it up, 
Yeah. That's kind of what I come at. And I've actually referenced it a bunch of times when I've been talking. Can you talk a little bit about that time and how that, because that's the stuff that led into Les Mills and then TRX. And yeah, then no, that's, it. yeah, that's yeah. a great point phrase. And, and I think back to, you know, when you and Tim and I dove in, we knew we had something, but we really had no idea what we were doing, but we knew we had something. Right. Mm -hmm. And we knew that what we were doing was making a difference. And we just, I can't remember how many hours we were in what was your office in the basement of that house that you rented, mm -hmm. that townhouse, just the countless hours of just trying to figure it out. Right. And mm -hmm. the collaboration and the brainstorming that took place from, from three of us in there from going out and trying something and coming back and saying, well, what worked, what didn't work? Let's, let's build upon what did work. Let's not do what didn't work. And just, we just, we, we did keep innovating and that's a, and I'm glad you really brought that up. Um, you know, cause that, you know, and I think, you know, Peter twist said this on several occasions back, like we were well ahead of our time with the concepts that we had, you know, group multimodality, functional training, hit training, foundational movements. Like we were doing that stuff before they were even called foundational movements. Like therefore it was a buzzword in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And we sure. take this, we get this trailer, we take it on the road and we find ourselves presenting at a conference. And this guy, Frank Butterfield from Las Vegas goes, these guys have something, not quite sure what it is, <laughs> but they've got something here, right? Which led to us being brought to, La you know, be brought to Las Vegas and being exposed to Las Vegas athletic clubs and they end up launching our class called core store, right? Like mm -hmm. that was really, that was kind of what's the word I'm looking for, but that was just so surreal that three guys from Calgary, Alberta, Canada got their program in this chain of clubs, which forced us to, we had this product and then we kind of had to backtrack, right? We had to create education to support the learning and man, we were learning as we went. And so, that time it took for us to create the education to drive the programming, I think led, we all went our separate ways in the industry and we've all come back in, but that entrepreneurial spirit, not taking no for an answer, knowing you have something, you have a vision, you've got a purpose and, and being scrappy and finding a way to make it happen. And ultimately, you know, we, we, we all went on to do our own thing, but I think that was truly a, a, a turning point for all of us understanding that it, that if you dig in and that you spend the time and you don't cut corners and you constantly reiterate and innovate that you can create great stuff absolutely and the reason i love to start there and i wanted to get yeah. to that with you and i is i look at um i look at what came out of that first of all at that time yeah we were certainly trying to make ends meet and we had big ambitions yeah. to make money but I don't know that making money was driving purpose. It was that it was, it was wanting to innovate, wanting to contribute, wanting to, to, to thrust ideas into, mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, like an unreceptive fitness industry that wasn't necessarily ready for it yet, mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. unless those were progressive. And then what comes after that? Because I get asked mm -hmm. too, and I, the question you thought we were talking about earlier, how do you... Like, how did you get to here Yeah. with the, you know, what's behind that question is I want to get to there. How can I get to there? Mm -hmm. um, I can look back at that, that group of three of us 
that was kind of wild self-efficacy to create spin storm or storm mm -hmm. cycling, mm -hmm. which was what you were presenting mm -hmm. when Emma saw you, yep. which is what I was supporting when I met Randy Hetrick from TRX. Yeah. And so I think it's that combination of believing in your ideas, mm -hmm. that idea of contribution, innovation, entrepreneurialism, which leads to the meetings where opportunity knocks, like when Emma Berry saw you teach yep. and knocked, or when um, Randy Hetrick talked to my friend Todd McKendrick, who introduced me, and then mm -hmm. how those things dramatically change your career path and create opportunities mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. same way that you know you went to. Um, so I want to go. I want to go to uh, now Les Mills. Yep. If you had to sum it up, and you've talked a little bit about it, what are the top three things? that you think you took away from Les Mills that, that you wish you knew beforehand that you wish that everybody in the industry would grasp sooner? Um, the power of collaboration, right? If you take a look at the Les Mills world, right? Long story short, you got a program every three months, you turn out a new program, music, choreography, education, right? And I was mm -hmm. able to have my great friend Fraser Quouts join me on one of those experiences, which was incredible. <laughs> but so, and even though there may be one or so, right? For instance, the release that you and Glenn and I were on, there was three of us, right, on camera. Mm -hmm. But how many people were behind the camera to make mm -hmm. sure that experience was best in class? So that product, when it went to the end user, which was the instructors who taught it, was the best possible product you could create in the moment, right? right. Like it, it creates a team right to be able to bring anything to market right and so before for those of you who are interested that's rpm 30 um, there, there we go there we go to see a 20 year younger version of both dan and i yeah exactly and anyway you sorry hair. carry on you, you had hair bro and you had hair let me tell you bam <laughs> um but it really was right it was like that power of collaboration but until but until less mills it like it was like i was just doing my own thing never asked for help but then again, I didn't really have that opportunity. I wasn't really in that world either. So when I say the industry truly changed for me is when I would like, I need to be open to feedback. I need to be open to teamwork. I need to be open to the fact that it does take like an entire group of people to continue the ship moving forward, right? So mm -hmm. the power of collaboration and teamwork. The second was the, the power of education, right? Because there was education that went along with every quarter really release that we did. Mm -hmm. And I never was a part, like, I mean, I, we kind of had education when we wrote the manual for core storm, but like mm -hmm. it wasn't, we, we weren't doing it consistently quarter after quarter right. after quarter. So, so collaboration, education, and the power of feedback, right? Being able to watch yourself on camera and being open to feedback and just knowing that feedback is an uh, such an important part of our growth in anything that we do, right? And that's mm -hmm. why, you know, take a look at the feedback that we, that we brought forward at, at TRX with all of our teachbacks, right? You go through the feedback for a reason. It's, it's not there to, to, to make you worse, it's there to make you better, right? And you have to take the constructive feedback with the positive feedback and we grow from the constructive feedback. I need you to tell me what I don't want to hear. Cause if no one mm -hmm. tells me, I'm not going to know. Right. So those, so well, collaboration, that's just it, isn't yeah, it? yeah, exactly. 
yeah. the humility to accept the feedback, mm-hmm. which is sometimes the hardest part. It is. We used to joke that, you know, in an, an ITC, an instructor training course, which is you know, what we use to develop our TRX instructors, we used to joke that uh, an ITC wasn't ITC until somebody cried, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. obviously facetious, but someone almost always did. And that was sort of the the yep. learning of how to accept feedback from, mm-hmm. from, you know, people that yeah, had strong, strong personalities Absolutely. and weren't used to receiving feedback that was constructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, oftentimes the first time you're confronted with feedback like that can be an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But having the humility to do that. Okay. So moving forward. So now mm-hmm. we're talking about TRX yep. and we talked about, we're talking about feedback mm-hmm. and, um, Randy Hetrick has has uh, is is almost renowned for oh yes shall we say direct and unfiltered feedback. This is true, and so I'm curious as to and I know we've all been Randy here, but we've all been Randied. <laughs> what's the most um, memorable slash valuable feedback that? Um, that, uh, that you were got from Randy. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll just say it again. So one of the first days on the on the job, we were in the TTC. I forget it was it was a staff class. I was participating. I can't remember the exact scenario phrase, but he's like, "Yeah, Dan, we brought you in here for a reason. You may know fitness, you may know education, you may know programming, but you don't know the straps. Don't even think about teaching others how to use the straps until you master this yourself." And that was very poignant to me. Right. So, and that's something I think a lot of us talk about these days is mastering the modalities that you choose to be involved with. Right. Mm. Less is better. That's how I operate now. It wasn't like that earlier on, but I don't try to master kettlebells and this and this and this. I think you got to, you got to dig in and dive into all of them, but you're going to find your lane. And once you Mm. find your lane, you need to be able to master that. And right. And then once you're able to master that, a whole bunch of opportunities seem to open up right i think earlier on in our career we have to dive and try everything right but i think being the swiss army knife in the fitness industry may not work to your advantage it may for a while but sooner or later like like if this is your if this is your skill set right and this is the task at hand there's a problem right but mm. if this is the task at hand and your skill set is here, then you've got a lot of room to move, right? That's why mm. I would never I would never try and teach a kettlebell workshop. Like I can swing a kettlebell, but I mm. haven't mastered how to coach that modality. There's no way I'd even put right. myself in that situation. And I think mm. a lot of people in industry do, right? And at some point, you know, yeah, something's gonna happen where you're either gonna be challenged on it or called on it. And hopefully it's not mm-hmm. in a larger group of people because that can really devalue your credibility very quickly in our industry. So I asked you earlier about, you know, you taught three learnings from, uh, from Les Mills. Yeah. What were they from TRX? Oh, well, hand on heart. I would say that working with that group of people, yourself, Pete, Frankel, Randy, everyone, right? Every single one of you challenged me to be better, right? And for lack of a better word, like you would, we had no problem in calling each other on our shite, right? Sure. Right? Yeah. And we would do that all that, like, I don't know how many times we'd be in the think tank and the TRX training center and we would just hammer each other, right? And there were days that it was stressful and there was probably tear, whatever it may be, but that forced mm. us all to be better, right? So, 
surround yourself with people that are going to make you better, that are going to challenge you, that are not always going to tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, the power of education, right? There was a tipping point for TRX when education drove everything. It drove mm-hmm. product sales. So the power of education is the continuing thread through every part of my career. Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, and then, wow. Um, you know, I think, and I think, you know, phrase, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure if this is how to answer this in kind of one word, but just the power of the network, the power of the network that we were able to grow. I think at that point when I left 375 tr- master trainers, I don't even know what it's at now, Fraser. It's about the same. Yeah. Well, same, I mean, right? unless left post right? pandemic. But, but right. Yeah. But that, but that, that network, we've all kind of, you know, I've moved on, Pete has moved on, other people have moved on, but we're still in contact with those people, that network. We're not around each other as much as we would love to be, but it's like, whenever we do get together, it's like not a day has passed, right? So these friendships were forced and to this day, if any of us needs help with something or we're looking to innovate and we're looking to gather insights, wherever we are in our career, we can, automatically reach out to anyone in that network that we built and all of us force each other to be better. It's been so amazing to see some of our master trainers phrase that were kind of earlier in their career who have just flourished to open businesses, go to work for mm-hmm. other brands. So I'm really proud of that network that we were able to build. Absolutely. We had we had really high standards, Fraser. We really did. Like not everybody made it through the ITC, right? How many people like I mean there was there was people that we had to turn away right for mm-hmm. whatever reason and ultimately they understood the why and there's people like one person that really sticks out to mind is Marin Marin mm-hmm. in Australia right like he came to he flew all the way from Australia to the first ITC and he didn't make Absolutely. it through and he didn't make it through Fraser mm-hmm. and he could have tucked his tail between his legs and just said I'm out of here and forget about it but he came back and he tried and he tried and look at him mm-hmm. now right he's the strength and conditioning coach for the water polo team Went on mm-hmm. to open like he's he's just third, but he not was, just the water polo team, like the Australian water polo. Yeah, exactly. Like the Olympics. National team. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So he was able. That's a perfect example of being able to take feedback and grow and be present and show up all the time. Oh, show like the power of this. There's one thing to turn up and show up. Completely different things, right? Mm-hmm. When you can combine them both, great. But yeah, so that network that we built. Um, I'm really proud of that, and I think we did a wonderful job at, at, at creating a standard for an industry um that wasn't existing before so i'm going to shift gears in a second before i do um because you're talking about the network you talk about Mm -hmm. those relationships Mm -hmm. and you know i know from having been at a lot of them the the uh the just the power of some of those experiences can you talk about maybe what the most profound trx experience you had while you were while you were, you know, like working at TRX was, what are the ones, what's the ones that sticks out? Well, one of them was when I went in and, and taught at, I, I don't know what it's called now, but I, I went over to Russia, right. And mm-hmm. taught this, this, this workout, which was just like, I had no concept of like how, but, but it literally, it was in an arena. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many, so take like a, a hockey rink or a football field that's indoors. Mm-hmm. And so take the size of what a hockey rink might be. I'm just getting, and then that's just full of S frames, like 30 foot S frames. 
I don't know how many of them were there, plus like the three on stage and teaching a suspension training class to literally hundreds of people not speaking their language, right? And this is a whole, we, we could talk about this for forever, but being able to coach and cue people when you don't speak their language, right? That's when simple is better, right? Mm -hmm. But that's one of the most profound experiences, right? Um, that was one of them. And many of our TRX summits that we had all over the world, Fraser, I mean, just seeing seeing our master trainers from around the world just show up in all areas of the globe, you know, for the most part at their own expense, being willing to invest in their education and invest in their growth, surround yourself with people who make you better, right? And that's for years, those, those summits were, were huge. And then we had summits that we opened up to instructors, those were incredibly powerful. One of the last ones that when I first joined Under Armour, there was a summit in, in, in Austin, Texas that we did. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. So now you've got master trainers interacting with certified instructors and seeing the collaboration and growth from that. But, you know, th those that's all the flashy stuff, right? But mm -hmm. I think I just think about the days of us just working in the TTC and just cranking out education and the hours it took us to create a great product that ultimately, I believe, set a new standard for the industry when it comes to education. What do you think creates that kind of culture? You talk about the people who are like coming together from all over the world, traveling yeah. big distances, you know, using their own resources to yep. do it yep. and, and walking away, you know, transformed. What, what do you, what do you think creates that kind of because I think that's relevant. Yep, and here's why I absolutely. asked that question. I think that's mm -hmm. that's relevant to someone just to create a culture in their mm -hmm. own business or mm -hmm. in their even among their own clients or whatever it is we're yep. doing. What do you think creates created that kind of culture at TRX? Specifically well, with an instructor group. Or yeah, well, I think even beyond. Yeah. Well, I think it was the, the power of the brand, right? So there was mm -hmm. authenticity behind the brand, right? We weren't trying to be some a brand that we were not. We had our standards, we had what we stood for, we had our face up, and we all we were always driven by our face up acronym, right? We always at the end of the day, is what we're creating, does it fall in to one of these or all of these buckets? Right. Mm -hmm. So the power of the brand. Just for everybody can if everybody understands it because they might not be familiar gotcha. with the inside yeah, baseball good, good face yeah. up. What, what does uh so oh, face up was an oh, acronym oh, we used to describe our culture, but maybe you can describe it. Yeah, you know phrase now. This is when you're gonna call me because I'm I'm really gonna I'm I'm gonna mess this up. I'm gonna mess this up. And I'm and because I don't wanna mess it up. Um I can I, do it for you if you want. I you would request that you I would request that you do it for me, please, because this is rather embarrassing. So FaceUp was an acronym that we used yeah. to describe our culture. And the culture started from Randy and I, mm -hmm. as a company grew, understanding that, hey, different, you know, by, by necessity, different kinds of people help an organization run. Yeah. And they don't always have the same, you know, same values necessarily or same beliefs, but they have an amazing skill set at what they mm -hmm. do. And, and we wanted to preserve the culture that, yeah. you know, we had been able to create when it was was smaller and we were you know all like-minded and so yeah. we came up with an acronym that had obviously lots of other lots of expansions of each mm -hmm. one of these categories to describe the culture so that we wouldn't lose our way from it mm -hmm. and uh face up was the acronym and it stood for fun authentic That's competitive effective That's united it. and physical and each one of those were attributes that we valued that uh, became uh, a major a major component of the culture that we could then articulate and yeah. and 
everything we did would have to be stick to the mm -hmm. stick to those letters yeah. one way or another. Thanks for bailing me out, Phrase. I appreciate that. My pleasure. And and on that note, what I thought was really powerful when we had our gatherings is that we gave out the face face up awards. Right. Mm -hmm. So we were honoring and rewarding and recognizing individuals who were living and breathing that culture. And I honestly believe mm -hmm. that they took that culture and took it into their own facilities, their own workplaces, wherever that may be. I think, you know, yeah. it's um, uh, that was, I think, really unique because, you know, I think Les Mills did a great job at building culture, right? They got thousands mm -hmm. of instructors globally, right? Sure. Face, up, face Up had a fantastic culture. Um, every, every company has culture, whether it be some are really surface level, but some are incredibly deep. Um, mm -hmm. And but I think that was that culture was just. I mean, that was the biggest that, that was the biggest growth I had in the industry, Fraser. Right? I said that it really started for me in Les Mills, but that those key years at TRX, you know, it completely changed who I was. Right? Mm -hmm. it, it really did because I now I know this was group fitness over here. Right. And then we had personal mm -hmm. training, but we we put that world together. We really mm -hmm. did on a pair of straps, bro. Like when you yeah. think about that, right? One modality. That's it. Until we had the rip trainer, which is later, but mm -hmm. one modality. Right. And yeah. we were able to take the, the I think we had to use the word democratize, right? We took a pair of straps. Democratize world class training. Right, right. Created a created a set of standards around a pair of straps and then mm -hmm. took that to the globe. Like Truly, when I think about it, what other brand has been able to do that? I would be hard pressed to think, like I say, Johnny G and spinning, like you could do that. There's a, like a, a bike and a culture and it's yeah. and that, but I mean, but the depth of education and the standards that we put around a pair of straps, like it right. blows my mind when I think about it today, just, just, it's just how powerful that was. For sure. So we talked about life changing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shift gears completely now. Mm -hmm. Just you can brace yourself for this because it'll be uh, oh, really different. So you've had some life-changing experience in the last couple of years. And that's yes. your new dad, relatively yes. new anyway. Because, mm -hmm. yep. you know, little Finn man's what, two? Yeah, he'll be two at the end of July. Yeah, he'll be two at the end of July. So, and you're in your 50s, mm -hmm. just like me. Mm -hmm. And so how are you balancing that idea of aging, fatherhood, activity your professional life yeah because you're doing it remarkably well I'm, well and i'm and glad I it looks that, that way i'm trying to... i'm trying yeah yeah so what's your approach to well to that to that juggling act and that's great because when we were talking earlier on about helping these people bite off small chunks mm -hmm. and what I, like like before Finn came along, I could jump on my bike and go for two or three hour rides, not a problem. Right. right? And that's what sure. I was used to, right? I was used to being able to have the freedom to be able just to work out when I want, how I want. Mm -hmm. And that all changed when Finn came along, right? I realized very, very mm -hmm. quick, like, oh, like this is not going to happen anymore. Right. So I had to, and it took me a while, but I had to basically say to myself, hey, if I can get 30 minutes in today, that's going to be a win. If I can get 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, that's going to be a win. So no longer was I thinking here. It was like, it was basically, what can I do today 
to be healthy enough for myself to be able to be a supportive husband to Amanda, who's being an amazing mother to our newborn son. Right. And I didn't know what I didn't know until I knew everyone tells you about sure. it. And you told me, like you warned, like you told me what to expect. I think you said, Dan, <laughs> don't be upset if your kid wants nothing from you for the first six months. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I'm, but then I, I, I get it now phrase. Like I get mm. it. Right. So it was like, and that's, and that's where it wasn't just about getting out and being a fitter version of myself or burning. It, it became, I need to get 30 minutes in today to to be better for me so i can be better for my family right and once sure. i kind of resound to the fact that if i get through and if i got an hour in great and there was days where i could you, you know when finn would have a nap either amanda would exercise and next mat nap then i would exercise and she would support me right. and i would support her and we had to be that support system for each other and but i realized that my my fitness levels never really changed that much by doing you know you know, shorter workouts and, but, you know, and, and, and can I get out and ride three or four hours anymore? Heck no. Do I even want to do that? Like, I mean, and I don't need that to stay healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. It's so, so it's, that's what it was is like, what are those windows of opportunity? Right. And we talk about when's the, when's the best, what's the best exercise and when's the best time to work out? Well, the best exercise is anything you can actually get done and get it done when you can morning, evening, like, so look for those windows of opportunity to be able to take care of yourself, right? It's not something, it's exercise shouldn't be something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do, right? And that's trying how I approach things now, because um, I forget who I was talking to somewhere in the last couple of years, right? But for those of us who can get up and move and, and we have our health and we're free from sickness and ailments, right? Like there's someone who would switch places with us phrase in an instant, someone in a wheelchair, someone, whatever it may be. Right. So when you think about that, it's like, damn, like, okay, I'm, I'm throwing myself a little pity party right now. Like, like Dan, come on, like get with it. You've got, you've got your health. You've got the, just do something because you know, once you do something, you're going to feel better. And when you feel better, you can be more productive in, in your, in the workplace and, on, and in your home. And so that was the biggest change for me is windows of opportunities. I'll get in what I can, when I can, and make sure I'm getting variety, right? I'm making sure I'm getting a couple of strength training workouts a week. I'm getting some cardiovascular exercise. I'm going for a ride. So I'm just, you know, I'm getting all, all, the, all, of the, all of the components of fitness that we know we need phrase. Um, mm -hmm. And I try to make sure I get a little bit of that every week. And it's just exercise when I can. So I had this conversation with someone the other day, and, and I think yep. this is, um, I think discipline mm -hmm. is probably the greatest quality that humans struggle with the most mm. is that idea of discipline. Great, great. There's a difference between motivation and discipline. Mm -hmm. And we go back to talking about self-efficacy and, and your ability mm -hmm. to continue to do something when you don't really feel like it. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of torn with it because we're running out of time and, and yeah. there's, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about, but yeah. I've known you for a really long time. You are one of the most disciplined people that I've ever met around a lot of different areas in your life. What's your approach to discipline? How do you get after doing stuff that you know you should do when you don't really want to do? Wow. No one has ever asked me that question before phrase like ever. Wow. That's it. Hey, I don't know you like I do. This is true. You know, I think discipline st started for me when I was, you know, amateur mountain biking and you were my coach and having a plan and sticking to it. And then knowing when you stick to the plan that you will get the results. Right. Right. Sure. 
discipline in everything we did at TRX, discipline, stay on track, you know, stay the course, discipline, do the work, here's the result. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in, in knowing that, whether, oh, that's bad, I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question for you without flubbing it up, but it's just like, I think knowing that, because there's days, there's, there's, there's more days as of late that I don't feel like doing it, mm -hmm. but when I do it, I feel much better because, right, it's that habitual knowing that if I just move, it doesn't need to be high intensity. I don't need to smash myself. It could be go for it. If I just move, mm -hmm. I know how much better that's going to make me feel. And right. And 10 minutes sometimes are, turns into 20 and 20 turns into mm -hmm. 30 and sure. 30 turns into 60. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's that, um, yeah. So, so how do you bridge the gap? Yeah. That's between, a great question. Here's, yeah. here's the crux of it that I yeah. think is that yeah. I think most people struggle. The reason I wanted to, I chose this yeah. question of, yeah. the, of the other ones I had kind of on my mind yeah. is because I think it has so much relevance to so many mm -hmm. different people, mm -hmm. both as, you know, mm -hmm. everybody as individuals, but also mm -hmm. the people that we try and help. Mm -hmm. How do you bridge the gap between the thought of, I know I should yeah. to doing, you know what I mean? It's like, for me, I've got a, I've got a training studio, great stairs, yep. 14 yep. steps. Right. Yeah. But some days the gap between I'm going to do this to actually doing the first rep or mm -hmm. yeah. I should mountain bike today. Between gap, going down, putting 14, my, putting my 14 stuff steps, on, the gap 14 is 14 steps. steps. Right. I love that. So it's those 14 steps that are oftentimes the hardest thing. Yeah. What do you, yeah. what do you use to kind of get that jump start? Like the, the forcing yourself to actually do it yep. is I think really, or how, what do you think is the best piece of advice to give yep. to someone who's struggling with that, which is. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. That's, that, that's great. Um, something just popped into my head. Um, the power of accountability, whether it be a workout partner or mm -hmm. a group that you can work along with. And there was many times phrased during the pandemic where if it wasn't for my Tuesday, Thursday online Zwift with my rooster racing crew, like they became my savior, right? It was like, okay, we're all signed up, right? You send the meetup on, you got the app and everyone's names are on there. You know, who's going to show up? I'm like, well, if I don't show up, I know they're going to take the piss out of me today. I'm going to get the text of where were you? Why were you? And it's the friendly piss take, right? You know, if, right, you sure. know and, the, and there's some times that I couldn't make it for, for whatever reason, whatever reason, whatever reason it was, but, but I know when I took accountability and I made that commitment to show up and I just clipped in. Like I was tired for lack of sleep when Finn was first born. You're on three hours of sleep a night and one pedal stroke, two pedal strokes that became more. And then as soon as I started doing it, it became energy giving. And there was people on the headphones just talking about our day. So, you know, getting exercise, that was the byproduct, just gathering with people that you want to be around, right? For you, it could be, it's one step, then it's two. And then 13, 14, you open the door and then it's the first rep, right? So it's that mm -hmm. just knowing that, knowing that if I take those steps, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's that 10 minute workout or that 30 minute workout that, that, that you're going to be more productive and you're going to feel better because of that on day. But I do think, um, you know, exercise is a habit. It's ingrained in our DNA phrase, but mm -hmm. even though it's ingrained in my DNA, those Tuesdays and Thursdays on Zwift became a savior for me because it was, we all needed each other over mm -hmm. the course of the pandemic and everyone that that was their sanctuary twice a week was just getting together and talking smack on the other end of the headphone the byproduct was just we worked out together right it was therapy for everyone so that power of 
accountability and a workout partner or a workout group and committing to each other and knowing that you're mm-hmm. supporting each other and being accountable for each other, I think is also very powerful. Well, that discipline, we've talked a lot about exercise, yeah. but it's yeah. also discipline in recovery, discipline in sleep. Oh. We don't have enough time to go into all that because I know those things are, are real passions of yours as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, discipline applies everything. The, the conversation I had with my son, who's, who's, um, you know, uh, becoming a really, really great basketball player. And, and, um, you know, he's got, got big goals around those sorts of mm-hmm. things. And so we're starting to have conversations kind of mm-hmm. about that. We talked about how motivation waxes and wanes. You can be yeah. really motivated one day, not motivated another. Motivation isn't what's going to carry the day in terms of achieving anything great, regardless of what it is, whether it's physical or psychological or mental, anything. But but discipline is difficult and it needs it needs structure. Mm-hmm. It needs support. Mm-hmm. So part of that is like, when do I do it? You talked about, um, you know, like, hey, having a structure in place, doing things at a certain time in a certain certain yeah. way, but also having a friend group who have mm-hmm. like-minded people who are going to hold you accountable, uh, mm-hmm. journaling stuff, mm-hmm. having a way to celebrate your successes, as well as, you know, when you got to write down that you didn't do something that you committed to mm-hmm. that can sort of get you down those 14 steps, 100%. get you to take those 14 steps. Yeah, but um, absolutely. Well, the last thing I want to ask you is uh, what are you fired up about these days? What's, what am I fired uh, up what's got you? What's, what's got you? Well, I'm certainly, you know, I'm certainly fired up phrase. Um, you know, I'm glad at 51 years old that I can get down on the ground and I can crawl with my son, right? Like, dude, mm-hmm. I'm going to be my son's. 30. The key is not the crawling. The key is getting back up. Well, that's the thing that, and, and there, there has been the odd occasion where that has not served me very well. True story. But like when I'm eight, when he's 30, I'm going to be 80. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm a parent in in the back half of my life and I want to be around as long as I possibly can to enjoy as much as I can with Finn. Right. I know you're very similar. You do so much with your boys, right? From mountain biking Mm -hmm. to climbing to hiking to canoeing, you know, to setting up a a tent on the side of a lake somewhere. Like like that's got me jazzed, right? Like Mm -hmm. right now I'm I wanna be as healthy as I can and as mobile as I can. And we talked about this whole concept of durability, which is really came to light for me at TRX. Um, right. I didn't think that way earlier on in my career, right? I thought harder was better. And, mm-hmm. and it's now it's completely opposite, right? So that's got me jazzed just to be as healthy as I can, as mobile as I can, to do as much as I can with Finn as long as mm-hmm. I possibly can. Career-wise phrase, it's still, you know, I know, I know, I think what my purpose in the industry now is. I mean, do I still want to be in front of camera? Do I still want to be on stage? Absolutely. Um, but I think now I'm okay with not being, mm-hmm. not, not doing that as much as I used to. I think where I can add value now is taking everything I learned in the industry, learning from all the mistakes that I've made, and then creating opportunities for as many people as I can to live a, to live a fit and healthy life, however that may be, right? So education, experiences, whatever it may be, and, and being around people and brands that have that same vision you know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm really jazzed about about that because you know our industry is rebounding. There's plenty of opportunity. It's not going anywhere. Does it look different? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think now more than ever, the power of collaboration, the power of the network that we have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's um, you know um, um, I'm jazzed about um, what technology is going to how it's going to continue to play a role in our industry. 
I think, um, and that's something where it's been a big learning curve for me phrase, right? Um, I think a lot of us dove into it by default, not by design during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. I saw people who were doing stuff online that probably shouldn't have been doing it online. And I think earlier on in the pandemic, members and clients and people were forgiving because everyone had to just like, it was a, it was a scramble. Damn, what are we going to do to, right? But then a whole new set of standards were created out of the pandemic on what online delivery should look like. What's that quality? What's that consistency? What's the standard? Buying the ring lights, better cameras, whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. We're scrapping the beginning, but knowing that, that that digital online part of our industry is always going to be there. I think it's something I'm, 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 I'm still learning in that, but I'm, I'm really jazzed to, to dive into the power of technology and how that can be a driver of getting people into bricks and mortar, because I think, mm-hmm. I forget what stat it was, where 60% of members of a gym membership still plan on working out a couple times a week from home, right? So they're investing mm-hmm. in a gym membership and they're investing in some sort of online platform, right? right and I think sure. they, they want both. Everyone's working differently now too. We've all got a hybrid. We're in office, we're in home, yep. so it's completely different. So our industry needs to be, if you're want to thrive in the industry, I think you need to be prepared for that. And it doesn't mean you have mm-hmm. to be a master in either of them, but I think you better be better be aware of how those 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 two things are going to, uh, um, I don't want to use the word collide, but are going to collaboratively work together moving forward mm-hmm. in the industry, whether it be venture capitalists, whether it be online demand platforms, whatever it may be, it's, you know, you see venture capitalists investing heavily in the digital fitness business, right? That's going to be a part of sure. our, our, our world moving forward. So I'm pretty excited about that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the TRX Procast. As a thank you, we'd like to offer you 30 days of free access to the TRX Training Club, which features hundreds of amazing workouts with some of the best trainers in the world. Get your access at the link in the episode description below.